Yes? Yeah, there we go. Let's give the Lord a hand. All right. You know, I was thinking when, uh, when uh, Phil and Adrian were up here singing, and then when Adrian got done, said a few words, just said a couple of things, and he said amen. Don't you wish your pastors were like that? Like, say what needs to be said, say amen, walk off. That, that would be good. That would be good. Well, anyways, uh, Deb and I wanted to thank you for your kindness, your encouragement. It's been a great uh, week for us. It's really uh, exactly uh, what the doctor ordered uh, for Deb and I, and so we're very thankful, very thankful for Pastor Nate's uh, ministry in our life. And uh, his message last night, again, on the cost of discipleship uh, from Luke chapter 9 was really challenging to me. And yesterday afternoon, I took a phone call from my youngest son, uh, Joel, and his wife, uh, Rochelle. They're both full-time at Hidden Acres Camp. And because of uh, some, some physical uh, issues, some health issues in their life, they have not been able to have uh, children. And so he, he uh, called and he just, he just wanted to pray with his dad, which was a really cool thing. They're on the verge, they have to figure out to make a decision. Uh, so that was yesterday afternoon, and then Pastor Nate spoke last night about the cost of discipleship, and, and really you have to make a decision. There's going to be a cost either way. And uh, so I, I changed up again what I was going to say this morning. So if you're a note taker in that book, I'm very sorry. There's lots of room in there, and today's outline will be, uh, be really simple. Uh, I'm a note taker myself, but I'd like to talk uh, about how to make a decision uh, that will please God uh, with your life. And if you think about it with me, a life is made up of all kinds of decisions, uh, we would say minor, medium, major, uh, from clothes I wear to person I marry, the food I eat, the place I live, the sports I enjoy, uh, the team that I follow, uh, to the career path I choose. So there's, there's, a, there's, there's just a smorgasbord of choices we have to make. And um, the truth is, is that when we make our decisions, as I look back over my life, I realized that my decisions I made actually end up making me. So we make decisions, and then the decisions make us. So the decisions and choices we make are, are very important, from, from, the, from the small ones, the minor ones, all the, way up, uh, all the way up to the major ones. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we, we have an individual by the name of Moses in Hebrews 11, starting at verse 23, I'll read. Who, who was able to land in Hebrews chapter 11, not because of the great, uh, the great uh, uh, stories in the Bible that he got into with like the Ten Commandments and, and even uh, for him the parting of the Red Sea or, or some of these things. He got in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes of faith. Uh, number one, because of his, the character, uh, his character, well, I'll, I'll just spend a couple of moments on that, and it will not keep you long this morning, but, but more so the decision he made. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I spoke on this to our church family, and I just called it the Moses Method. It's going to be very simple, and I was able to, to pray through this with my uh, with my son uh, Joel yesterday. So allow me to read Hebrews 11, starting at verse 23. 
By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Uh, verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater uh, wealth than the treasures of Egypt, uh, for he was looking to the reward. Uh, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is uh, invisible. And so you have Moses, and he makes this unbelievable uh, decision. And uh, we're very fortunate here this morning. Like he, he lived probably 3,500 years ago, 1,500 years before Christ. And I don't think there's any other one of the heroes of Hebrews chapter 11 that we actually have a picture, but I actually have a picture of Moses. I don't know. I mean, did you, have you ever seen him? <laughs> I showed this picture at church, and a lady came up to me after church, and she said, do you know I've kissed Moses? And I was like, that's, that's kind of weird. Where's this going? And she actually met the actor right there, and he kissed her on the cheek, and so that's her claim to fame. <laughs> so she, she's met Moses in her mind. So a couple things you already know about Moses, but just to get a little background. He's mentioned 700 times in the Old Testament and 70 times in the New Testament. He wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and he wrote Psalm 90. Psalm 90 would be a great psalm to read. Uh, it's really a blessing when I read it. He lived 120 years. And, man, would I love this to be said about me. It says in Deuteronomy 34 that when he died, he died with eyes undimmed and his vigor unabated. Like he was full of life. Um, I remember a speaker coming, a missionary speaker, uh, uh, Dr. Wendell Kempton, and I remember him saying, and he was, I, I forget how old he was, but he was older, but he was always robust, and, and, he, and, he, and I remember him saying, most men of my age, they're looking to land the plane, not me, I'm looking to soar for God, and, and I was like, that's how I want to go out. Well, that's how, that's how Moses, 120 years old, eyes undimmed, vigor unabated, and I'll guarantee you, he wasn't at day five of family camp four. He would not have been eyes undimmed and vigor unabated. He'd have been a little more, a little more tired than that. Okay, so just background. Moses' life of 120 years is divided into three equal segments. First 40 years in the palace, he was taught that he was something. Second 40 years, the backside of the wilderness, backside of the mountain in the desert, he learned that he was nothing. And then the third 40 years, he's called by God to go lead out the people, and he learned that God was everything. He was buried by God himself. It says in Deuteronomy 34 that, that, that he was buried by God, and no man will ever know the place where he was buried. Extraordinary life, but his character and decision-making is why he's here. Let me give you a couple of descriptions of what the Bible says about Moses, and I'll, these will be up here on the the screen. He was a man of unbelievable humility or meekness, number one. Numbers 12 says, now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Uh, number two, he was servant-minded. Revelation 15 and verse 3, and they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, 
and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Now let me just pause right there. That word for servant is a really special word. In the Old Testament, about 75% of the people were considered slaves or servants, and really like employees today mostly, because you would, you would work for an owner, and most of them, or at least half of them, were so well taken care of by the owner of, of, of who they were working for that when their seven years were up, they didn't want to leave. They didn't want to take their family and leave. So well, what, would, what would happen? Well, this particular word, this, this word describes what would basically happen. This individual would go and he would tell the owner or uh, the, the boss, I want to stay with you. My family and I are so much better with you. Uh, we, we just want to stay. And you can read about it in the Old Testament. What they would do is they'd take their ear, put it up against a post. They would drive a hole through their ear. And from that day forward, there would be a physical mark on them that they have voluntarily stayed with their master, that they're serving because they see that that is going to be a much better place for them. So it's the word for one who volunteers himself up to another's will. This is the word that describes Christ. It's often the word that would describe uh, New Testament believers in Scripture. And I, and I pray to God that it would be the word that would describe us. Uh, two, two more descriptions, and then we'll get to the Moses method. Number three, he's self-sacrificing. And whenever I read these words as a pastor, I, I'm absolutely um, humbled and really ashamed of myself. Because look what Moses says here. So Moses returned to the Lord after the people had sinned again. And he said, alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now if you will forgive their sin, uh, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. So, so Moses is saying, if you won't forgive them, then, then you, you take me in their place and you let them live. Like I was trying to think in my mind, even this morning, um, could I muster up that kind of courage even for one of my own kids? Like for eternity, literally say, you, 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 you choose my son and you, you take my salvation away, which he wouldn't do. Take my salvation away, I, I'll, I'll for eternity... I'll be outside your presence so person could go in. So, so he, was, he, he was a man of character. And then lastly, number four, he was a friend of God. Now, what an awesome thing to have said about you. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Verse 17, And the Lord said to Moses, The very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Just for a moment, are you sure God knows you by name? Do you know the Savior by name? Because this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the purpose of the whole Bible. This is why this camp exists. This is why the church that you go to exists. So that you might personally know the God of all of the universe. And certainly, uh, that was the case for Moses. Now, four times in these verses about Moses, it says by faith. Everybody else in here, this whole list of individuals and some named and many named and some unnamed, it always, it always says by faith and it says something. For Moses, it's four times by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. So he was a man of faith. And so for men and women of faith, we should say, okay, well, what, what, what kind of decisions did he make? How did he make those decisions 
So like when we leave camp, we say, we want to be men and women of faith. We want to go back to our church different than when we, when we came. Our, our church motto at Lakeside Fellowship from day one is, come as you are, leave different. And, and family camp has a lot of things to offer, lots of blessings, family time and fellowship and, and being together and being encouraged and all these things. But, but God would not want you to come to a week of family camp and go back the same way you came. He would want you to be touched. He, he, he would want the effect of His Word and the effect of other people around you to make a difference in your life. If you came not knowing Christ, sorry about that, uh, He would want you to know Christ. So, so don't leave here uh, with the pressure of, well, mom and dad think I, I know Christ and I've already actually given a testimony or been baptized, but in my heart of hearts, I don't really think I know Christ. I'm not really confident that I could stand before Him. Uh, so how did, make, how did Moses um, make choices pleasing to God that would land him in here? This is going to be very simple, but I think it's very powerful if you follow through. And I'll just, it's going to center around three words. It's going to center around the word refused in verse 24, choosing in verse 25, and considered in verse 26. So I call this the Moses method. Other people have called it uh, a different kind of thing. Moses' blueprint, Moses' principle, uh, something like that. It's going to be very simple, but, but I can guarantee you in your own life, as, as I've applied this to my life, if you follow this little simple pattern that Moses gives us here, uh, you'll be pleased, you'll be considered a man or woman of faith as, as you get to the end of your life. So, so number one, Moses made a wise evaluation, a wise evaluation. And it says right in verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. The word considered there means to weigh two options. It means to literally, like, like Pastor Nate was talking about last night, okay, here's the option, here's what Christ is at, asking, here, here's, here's what happens if you choose, here's the cost if you don't choose. There, there are options here. And the word actually has like you do some figuring. Like, are we gonna are we gonna uh, buy a new house? Are we gonna get a different house? Are we gonna get a different car? We're we gonna put a deck on. Where are our kids gonna go to school? All these kind of things. They did some figuring. They did a pros and cons list. Uh, in the business world, it'll be a cost benefit analysis. And this word means that you 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 do this figuring and you come out and you esteem one option over another. So so. A, as I'm praying with my son and talking with my son yesterday, as I, out on the, the path out there, uh, I mean, they're in their early 30s. They, they have some choices that they have to make, and, and time's moving in on them. And so, so let's talk about that. And if you, if you look for, for Moses, uh, the, the, the choice was the reproach of Christ or the riches of Egypt. There couldn't be a more stark choice. This isn't like, oh man, this is a gray area here. Like I can put a foot in both sides and I think it's going to, I can make a decision that kind of appeases both. No, that ain't happening. I mean, if he chooses to go with the reproaches of Christ and he takes a step that way, he, is, he has become the enemy of Pharaoh. There's, there's no going back uh, for him. And uh, so he had to get a clear focus. He had to get some perspective. And there's a really cool word in verse 26, if you circle it, it's the word looking. This is the key to this whole thing with Moses. 
If you don't get anything else in the couple of moments that I have here, you get this word. It's made up of two Greek words. It's going to be very simple. You're, you're going to be able to dazzle somebody with some word that you... It's the two words. Apoblepo. Apoblepo. Apo means uh, to, to look away from. Blepo means to set your eyes on. So here's what Moses did. He looked away from and he fixed his eyes on. And in American Christianity, this is where we screw up the most. We see the beauty of this thing over here, but it's as if mentally we do this thing with our other eye, we still kind of have an eye over here. That's not what Moses did. Now here's an illustration of this. So how many were alive during the Apollo 13 thing in 1970? Just raise your hand, okay. There's some of you. So uh, if you could put that picture up. So here's a picture of inside the, uh, that little module. And here's what happened. So in Apollo 13, of course, all things were going wrong. To conserve power, uh, they, they realized they had to shut down the onboard computer that steered the craft. Yet the astronauts needed to conduct a 39-second burn of the main engines, but how would they steer the craft? The engineers back in Houston, they were trying to figure out, how, how do we steer this thing? The, the onboard computers were steering it. How are we going to do that? Well, Commander Jim Lovell determined that if he could have a fixed point, and out that little window right there it was going to be the fixed point, if he could have a fixed point that he felt like for that 39-second uh, uh, burst of energy, he could hold that joystick, and if he had a fixed point that he could just keep there, he would be able to keep the craft on target. So the fixed point that he chose was actually his destination, which was Earth. And so he got, that earth, he got the earth in that window, and for 39 seconds that burned, and of course we know that he was successful in doing it. That is the exact idea here. You fix your eyes on something, and you give it all your mental ability, and you move that direction. That's what, that's what Moses is doing right here. And for Moses, the focal point of that fixed burn in his life for the rest of his life was going to be the reward of heaven rather than the riches of Egypt. So, number one, you have to do a wise evaluation. You have to just say, okay, as I'm living my life, is this really working to have a foot in both sides of the equation? What is God asking me to do? Uh, number two, and again, this is going to be very simple, but it's very powerful. Moses made a personal choice in verse 25. It says, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. It's a significant word. He made a choice not based on emotion, but evaluation. Here's the thing about this word. It's in the middle voice in the original language. You know what that means? That means that he himself had to make the choice. That means your wife can't make the choice for you. She would like to. That means your husband can't make the choice for the kids. He certainly can to some degree while they're at home. But the idea of being in the middle of voice is, who did Moses have around him in the palace? The answer would be, mom's gone. He had nobody at least wanting to aim the same direction he had. He was all by himself out there. 
He had to make a choice. He personally made the choice. He made a personal choice. He selectively, thoughtfully preferred God's offer over the world's offer. It it was a line in the sand kind of choice. And faith, to be a man or woman or young person of faith, always demands a choice. I'm 62 years old and God is still asking me to make choices. There's lines in the sand. And and I I can make a choice either way. So God had chosen Moses, and now it was time for Moses to choose God. And what was he going to do? Well, we know, uh, we, we know the, the, the story. Here's how I would say it. You can no longer dance with two partners. You have to make a decision here. What are we going to do? And so that leads to the third thing. And again, this is very simple, but to me it's very powerful. So choosing then always requires refusing. So the third one is uh, uh, Moses made a determined refusal. Here's where I think American Christianity, and this is very broad brush, and I'm not saying about any one person here. This is where American Christianity, maybe you, this is where we get it wrong in American Christianity. Because we we love the beauty of Christ, and we see the blessing of Christ, and we love the promise of heaven with Christ, and yet we're living down here in this world, and and it just draws us, and it draws us. So here's the key to making a decision that will ultimately end up pleasing God with your your life. It says that he refused in verse 24. And it it says that, uh, let me find it here. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. the, The word means to literally say no. It has the, in the original language, it has this idea of speaking a word no. It's to refuse something offered, to choose something, to choose one thing by clearly refusing another. It's by saying no, clearly no, no looking back, no, clearly yes over here. Well, what did Moses refuse according to the Scriptures? Well, he refused to be called Pharaoh's, uh, uh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, we're not sure uh, what that actually means, but most conservative historians that, that, that we would read, that we would trust, would say the son of Pharaoh's daughter was a title for the next person in line to be Pharaoh. So historians that I read said that this particular Pharaoh uh, didn't have any other sons, so it was going to be his daughter's son who was going to be next in line, and that would have been Moses. Like he was in line to be King Tut. Like, he's, he's going he's gonna to get it all. He's going to be able to make decisions. He's going to have anything he wants, whenever he wants it. He's going to tell people, go from here to there, and they're going to do it. He's going to tell people, don't look at me that way. Bow and kiss the ring. Uh, maybe I say it like this. He has the American dream right, right in front of him. And so he's going to say no. He, he's going to measure Christ and his riches. He's going to look at Egypt and its wealth. He's had 40 years of it. And by the way, I talk to a lot of people that have had it all. And when their life is broken, that having it all, they'll tell you, every one of them, that's really nothing. That, that it's shiny and it looks beautiful, uh, but, but, but it's really ultimately, it's not going to bring joy in life. It's certainly not going to bring peace. The fleeting pleasures of sin, the Scripture says, for a season. And so what does it say he did in verse 27? Somebody tell me, what did he do? 
he left what? He left Egypt. It doesn't say that he made this decision in one hour he woke up and he had his Cheerios and, oh, I think I'll just take off today. I'm sure he was thinking about it for a while, but his decision was a clear decision. There was a line in the sand, and he left Egypt. The word left means leave behind, abandon, forsake, never go back. So God, as I close, is asking us today, exactly as he did Moses 3,500 years ago, what area of your life do you need to make a decision that is turning away from, not looking at any longer, and moving towards. Now, I'd like to just, as I close our time, and again, I'm very thankful for having been here, I'd like to give it to you plain and straight right here. When you look at this, you say, well, how does this apply to us? I don't think this is an exaggeration. America is Egypt. America is Egypt. One of the richest nations, if not the richest nation in the world. We live in dangerous time. This is my perspective. Take it for what it's worth. There's a brand of Christianity in our midst that says yes to Christ without saying no to whatever it is. Now, I know the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is out there, and, and we'd all say down on that, and how could they even be a believer? And they're saying, you know, if you trust Christ, your cancer will go away, your wife will come back, your kids will live for the Lord, you'll be rich forever, you'll win the lottery, whatever it is. And I know we say no to that, but we have a version of health, wealth, and prosperity right here in our midst. There are many, probably some right here, who have added Jesus to an already crammed lifestyle, and you've never said no to the lifestyle, you just add Jesus to an already crammed lifestyle. From my perspective, that's why 50% of the time Jesus takes second place. Often, speaking to myself, it's not that we don't make a choice for God, but often we live our lives as not even realizing a choice needs to be made. We're so... It's the blessing of God. This is health, wealth, and prosperity. I, God's been blessing me. I must be living for the Lord. I mean, look, I, I got a good job. I got family. I got God's, God's blessing. We say, well, that's, a, you know, in, in some way it is. Honestly, many think it's a God-given right to live in Egypt. Like we're God's chosen people. We ought always to be ready to part with anything, even everything, for Christ, if he so asks. And the question that we have to ask, that I have to ask, my wife has to ask, is, okay, if there's a line in the sand in some area of our life, whether it's small or big, are we ready to turn away and fix our eyes upon? For, for Moses, this is what happened. God melted his heart, and then God molded his life. And I want to be one of those that say, I, God melted my heart, and he's molding my life. Lord, I want, to, I, want to go, I want to go with you. The truth is, Christ identified with you on the cross. He wants you to identify with him now. Couldn't, couldn't we do that? Shouldn't we do that? Isn't, he, isn't that our only, going back to a couple nights, isn't that our only reasonable worship? Is it really worship if it's not that? I think so. Let's pray. Father, thanks. I thank you for the example of Moses, giving him these options.
He made a personal choice, and he made a really determined refusal. Lord, I pray that I, you could give me the insight to make a wise evaluation, see, show me what the choices you want me to make, and Lord, help me to make determined refusals in my life. We'll be forever thankful. Lord, again, if there's one here that doesn't know you, young or old, Lord, I pray that you'd put the pride or the family pressure or whatever it is off to the side right now. I pray that maybe one, many, young or old, for the very first time, would say, I'm going to choose Christ. I'm going to give up my sin. I'm going to admit that I'm a sinner. And I'm going to see the beauty of Christ on the cross. And as He's lifted up, as He's exalted, as He's lifted up, my heart's been drawn to Him. Lord, I give You my heart. I give You my life. I give You my sin. Please forgive me. Lord, I want to make a determined refusal from that thing that's in my life or those people that are in my life that aren't pleasing to You. I want to fix my eyes on You. Lord, would You be gracious to help us to do that? And we'll thank You for it. In Christ's precious name, amen. Thanks.